0: You are about to listen to Rich Tang's Leicester Square Theatre podcast with my guest this week, Alexi Sale. How exciting is that? Quite exciting, I think you will agree. It is free, but there are lots of ways for you to contribute if you want to, uh, to help us keep this going and to come up with even more comedy ideas. We don't want the money for ourselves. We want it to make new stuff. So why don't you go to www.gofasterstripe.com, R-H-L-S-T-P-5 where you can buy uh, downloads, video downloads, or audio downloads of this entire series for various amounts of money. You can also choose to make a one-off donation in return for a badge from a pound upwards, or a monthly donation would be fantastic if you're prepared to give us just a pound a month. If everyone who listened to this did this, we could create a media empire that would take down Rupert Murdoch and make kebabs out of his liver. Uh, And that is a promise. If 150,000 people do that, we will make that happen. Uh, But even if a few of you could do that, that would mean we can make things like a video version of As It Occurs To Me. You'd like to see that, wouldn't you? We can't do that without your input. You are the commissioning editors. Your money, your pound a month could make all the difference. Or come and see me on tour. Check out richardherring.com and you can see my upcoming tour dates. You can buy um, mugs and uh, T-shirts and... Uh, hoodies, at richardherring.cartoncart.com as well. Okay, here's the show. You've had enough of an advert. I will never mention this again, I promise. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man with an infected finger. It's Richard Herring! (laughs) That's... That's my infected finger. I'm not... I'm not being rude. Uh, so, hello, welcome to Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast, or as all the cool kids are calling it, Rahel Esteper. Oh, God, there's lots of you, that's good. Uh, yeah, I've, 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 so I've been quite uh, healthy this year and keep, been keeping quite fit, but like this weekend I've been stricken down with various ailments, welcome to me, I'm just I'm getting old now so I'm just talking about the things that are going wrong there's some people arriving late, let's just show them for the people, so the people at home can- so there they are, they were late they couldn't be bothered to turn up on time, like everyone, like everyone nearly everyone else turned up on time uh, so uh, yeah and I got, I got like an infected finger I'll just show the people at home there yeah good Uh, but then it's been really really hurting for a few days but on the tube on the way here I I realised I could squeeze it and get all the poison out so I'm going to I'll see if I can get any more out it's going to be could you hold that yeah it's weeping slightly Do you get that David yeah, Good, there we go. Uh, so that, I'd forgotten all the fun of that. that is, do you remember that when you were kids? I, I, things don't really get infected so much these days, certainly since I got married. So, um... <laughs> that squeezed the odd bit of pus out of there. Right, but talking... To- talking It's always good fun. Uh, I once had a biopsy on the end of my penis. I had a stitch put on the end of my penis once. It was fantastic. Uh, that's, for, that's for another day. Uh, the, uh, the Brit Confessions has, been, uh, has started giving some back. I was, my guest last time was uh, Robert Llewellyn. And there wasn't very much on there for him, but one has arrived for him. And I don't think, because obviously he hasn't been on the show yet, so it, I don't think this is one that's been set up by someone. So I just thought I'd read this one. This is, a, this is a if you don't know, this is a site on the internet where people confess. Their, their, what they want to do to various comedy figures, including well, nearly everyone you can imagine, and, and but also people like Stufa. Uh, and, and when I say people like Stufa uh, so uh, this is one of Robert Llewellyn's. I would like to get so turned, I would get so turned on by Robert Llewellyn fucking me hard, making me wear the Crichton mask, <laughs> and then shouting at, uh, shouting at me about my faulty socket, which is. I don't know if this is a man or a woman, but they're basically saying their vagina or anus or both <laughs> don't work properly. And that's why he'd be fucking me. Why? What's wrong with your socket? Why is it not working properly? So that's quite... And the fact they want then they'll be wearing the Crichton mask. That's properly perverted. Uh, but there are a few new ones for me. And I don't think we can trust these because I think these are people, at fans, who are aware that I will probably read them out. That's what that's... <laughs> That's what they're going for. There's two or three have arrived in the last kind of couple of weeks. Uh, this one is quite interesting. I wish Richard Herring would fuck me right in the middle of a golf course. Um, I don't know how precise they are about that, whether we would have to, part of the experience, would be working out where the middle of the golf course was. No, we can't do it here. This is not the actual, let's get the surveying equipment out again. Uh, I'm up for that. I'm up. Do you mind if I do that, Katie? My wife's in. Can I... Fuck, yeah, I've got a thumbs up from my wife. As long as it's right in the middle of the golf course. If you come and catch me, like, on on the green of, of number two, I don't really know about what golf is. That isn't the middle, is it? Rich, by definition, number two, there are 18 holes. 19, if you include the bar, hey, the butlers are in. Uh, so, um, they love a drink. Uh, I dream about Richard Herring using his tiny hands to take off all my clothes. <laughs> then touch me with them. I do have quite a small hands I do discuss that so that is a fan of mine. I suppose, I suppose anyone who wants me to fuck them would be a fan of mine would hope I, I suppose if you're, if you're a real pervert you'd want to have sex with a comedian you didn't like which is why I want to have sex with Paddy McGuinness um, so <laughs> let them let my anus see your cock that's what he would say <laughs> I uh, what he says every week, but that is, that is it. That's that show in a nutshell. Uh, I, uh, I would, uh, and then another one. I'd like to melt a big bar of Capri Dairy Milk all over Richard Herring, then leave him to clean it up himself. <laughs> Which is quite, I would quite like that, though. I am, I am on a diet, so I couldn't. I don't know. I'd just have to be awful because I'd just have to wipe it off with a sponge, and I wouldn't be able to. Oh, I'd like to lick that sponge with the mixture of Cadbury's dairy milk and my own bodily hair and you know, there'll be pus in there there'll be a little bit of pus <laughs> I'm gonna, yeah. uh, so look, let's crack on we've got a fantastic first guest so let's not waste any more time he does not feature in Brit uh, Comedy Confessions I, I, which is a shame I know he should do but I think it's uh, I think the, the, it seems that the, uh, it's more d- uh, younger comedians tend to under under 50 uh, comedians tend to uh, face in there anyway my guest you will probably know him as Backback from the TV series Arabian Nights. That is what he's best. That's what most of you have come to see him for tonight. Will you please welcome the incredible Alexei Sayer, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Sit down. Pick up a mic and and use it in your face. There we go, that's lovely. How are you doing? I'm all right, thank you. Good, lovely to see you. Been a little bit of a cold as well. We've both been a bit under the weather. But it's all right, we we can chill out and relax. We don't have to go... You don't have to be entertained. We don't have to be entertained. <laughs> it's fine. So we'll get this out of the way, because this is what you must be asked in all your interviews. How was it being Back Back well, in the um, Arabian Nights? It the, was a TV series. It was
1: just an acting job I did. It was um, Back Back it was the, in the Arabian Nights was the, the Emir's favourite um, storyteller. He was a dwarf. Oh, right. Uh, and so most... And, uh, I can't was what he No, um, He... He has dinner with a merchant, and he chokes to death. Nice. And then for the rest of... I can't remember how the... the rest of the, um, the story is them trying to get rid of his body. Nice. So basically, all of me was played by a rubber... They made a rubber version of me, like a, a small midget version of me in rubber, which yeah. I call Little Alexi. So all I did was go to this dinner party, eat like a peanut and collapse. And then the rest of the film was... was uh, the rest of the episode was... Wasn't me. It was this rubber <laughs> yeah. um, midget, uh, dwarf being carried around. But I showed a photograph uh, of um, me and little Alexi to my mother, and she got us mixed up. <laughs> she said, "That's you," and I said, "Fuck off! That's a fucking
0: that's a rubber dwarf that looks like me." And she said, "No, no, no! That's you." She would know if anyone would know her well, you own think, son. You'd think that, but she didn't. She mistook <laughs> me for a rubber dwarf. So that's quite a good job. Basically, you didn't. Except presumably, did you have to be. Did you have to get your body covered in? Yeah, they had to, you know, be yeah, covered in
1: rubber and all that. But yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it was. You know, it was so. Yeah, it was. It was. So, yeah, I mean, it was. You know, to have yourself played by a, you know,
0: <laughs> something made out of rubber. Was, yeah, uh, you know. Well, we had Robert yeah. Llewellyn, on last week that's pretty much his career. So. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so i was i was I was reading up about you because we have talked before, so I wanted to try and yes. talk about different things than before um I, I firstly, you were expelled from school, which I don't think we talked about before i don't and I wondered what reason you're expelled from sixth form is that right
1: uh yeah halfway through the sixth form um well just for being a terrible troublemaker really I mean they were quite i think um uh, there's nothing really funny in this story. Doesn't have to be funny. It's just that. It's Did you do a, something really horrific? I no, killed. No, no, I killed a, a teacher. I they said you t- can't t- stay anymore. I ate a teacher. Did that he? was one of the things. <laughs> yeah, I <hit laughs> a teacher. And he was funny enough, he was in the communist party. He was uh, like my parents called Mr. Abr- Mr. Abrams. Right. And he hated, he hated me. He hated me all through the school really, when he should have been looking out for me because you know, being the child of communists, but he always hated me.
0: Yeah, the communists—they kind of hate. It's like. Trotsky and Stalin, yeah, they were both, that, they didn't yeah. like but, each
1: other, did they? Yeah, at least you didn't true. get an ice pick. True. Um, and anyway, he pushed me in the tuck shop queue. Right. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> You see my protestations about going to a rough week at school. Uh, somewhat wider than them up. He pushed me in the tuck shop queue, and so I hit him, and then, so I had to go and then... But there was other stuff, I think my favourite the art teacher was leaving and was going to Quarry Bank you know which on Lennon and that went there uh, i uh so I wanted to go with him which I don't think he was that keen. that would be, be a bit weird kind of like you know one of your pupils turn up so they said no I couldn't go to Quarry Bank but also I couldn't come back to my school either right. <laughs>
0: it's, you know,
1: kind of, it's like, you know, like that uh, Tom Hanks film where he's stuck in the terminus yeah. really, stuck in a kind of educational limbo stuck between all the
0: Liverpool schools just not yeah, being able to yeah. go out <laughs> of that triangle standing
1: outside all of them
0: yeah <laughs> but you went to Chelsea College of Art and Design I did yeah. and, but you didn't Stay in the halls. so that was the mistake oh, you made.
1: yeah, well there. that's um, yeah. No, I, um, I, which was a mis- it was a terrible mistake. <laughs> I, I had this friend called Wasim Abdullah, was a Palestinian electronics engineer, and he. Um, he had a flat in London in Queensgate in South, in South Kensington, which was just nice. a base. I thought, why well, it seemed nice. It wasn't. It was just a basement with an outside toilet. And uh, <laughs> he's, he like he was on in the he had the bed with like one or sometimes two girlfriends, and every bit of the floor around was like different Arabs, <laughs> apart from me. There was like down one side. And um, the thing that Wasim did as well that he built his own um, uh, a digital alarm clock, which was really advanced for like 1971. <laughs> Which was no good as a clock, but it was brilliant at killing mice. (laughs) Because there was like these vibrations it gave off, and the mice would kind of come out. And then they'd touch it, and because it was very badly made as well. It would electrocute them. So there'd be this pile of corpses in
0: the morning. And no one cleaned them up, so you're all students. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, So... Yeah, <laughs> so you were not was scared horrible. about sleeping in a room with a sort of radioactive exploding alarm clock? Um, just mean, kept away it wasn't it it. radioactive. It was just... You had to walk, you, Well, yeah, if you touched it, you'd get a terrible shock. And did he... He, he woke himself up by... He
1: wired up a... He had, um, a, he had a, a car headlight on a tube. <laughs> a cardboard tube that was, like, hung over his face. <laughs> and then there was... Um, uh, a record player with the Maoist Peking Opera the Easter's Red on it and the alarm clock would set this is a typical electronics engineer it, it would set off any time between like 6am and 9.15 it would go off and the light would shine in his face then this Peking Opera would start with like, he's on, on, he's on, and he'd, he'd
0: wake up and then Good <laughs> <laughs> Did it? It presumably woke you up as well, though. This yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they're rigging something like that. though didn't someone do something like that? And they uh, can't, can't, someone had something like a boulder that fell onto something, but then it fell on him. I can't remember it. Never mind. Uh, I'll, I'll edit me saying it properly in at the end, and it'll look amazing. <laughs> and, everyone, and then I'll edit a laughing, and it <laughs> oh. ah and they'll cut to you really laughing at something else. Go, ah, it was brilliant it wasn't terrible like you thought I uh, the thing um, uh, the, the, well the thing I'm interested in because obviously you know all about the, the comedy store and you've been the first MC of the comedy store but you generally just answered an advert in the was it in the private eye or, or yeah sector? my wife Linda
1: saw an advert in the yeah. Eye, yeah
0: and just went along and you became so you'd not, you became the MC in the comedy store just by turning up and saying you could do it you're not you,
1: uh, well no, I auditioned and I was well I was the first person who wasn't sort of mentally ill really, to it seem. so but I mean they were I mean they were I mean the the, the you know the com- the comedy boom would have happened you know somewhere in Britain anyway but not in that place because you know I mean they were very fortunate I think to have me because I had a I did have a a pretty rare skill set then one that I was doing Alternative comedy before it existed right? Right. you know I'd been doing it more or less by myself you know I had like a partner you know but we'd been just touring in this complete vacuum doing this material which we assumed uh, you know it was like about drugs and politics and stuff yeah. which we assumed there was an audience for but we didn't really know that there was but also I had you know I also had this um, tremendous authority you know that I was that I uh, could, you know, because it was such a wild kind of place in the early days, the comedy store. And I was, you know, probably, you know, one of the few people that could have really imposed... Yeah. Uh, you know, kept that audience in line, really set on the opening night and for the first few months. I did just had this kind of, you know, very I mean, aggressive comic persona anyway, but just I was very, you know, I was very good at... Yeah. At, at kind of maintaining a kind of chaos that never quite, you know, you know, just always, always teetered on the edge of of chaos, you know, yeah. but never tipped over. But I was also, and I was also, I think, which was a very, I was, I was very, and all this just came intuitively, I was very honest that I would give an act a, a good build-up, but then when they, if they failed, which they generally did, I was absolutely <laughs> horrible about <them>. it. Mean, <laughs> I mean, really vile, and that was... I mean, in, in retrospect, that was horribly. I mean, it's cruel, you know. It's but on the other hand, I think it, in that place at that time it worked really well, you know, yeah. just to, to just be shitty about people and, and better the than the other way
0: around. Which sometimes some MCs do. do well, you start yeah. off by making yeah, I don't know who this guy is. He might be shit, or, you know. And right. if, you, if you start like that, then that's a lot un, more unfair. I think if someone's died. You sort of have oh to, yeah, you got to give him a build up, yeah. yeah but, but then afterwards, you have you know, to. just really lay into them. So, <laughs>
1: um, uh, so, yeah, they were very fortunate, I think, that, that I, you know, but that, I mean, I suppose that's one of the magical things about, you know, artistic movements, that, you know, the right people do do just appear, really. You know? Yeah,
0: well, if you hadn't, then it wouldn't be, we wouldn't be talking about it. No, no, maybe, yeah. But, like, the
1: world is ready. People are going, oh, I'd I'd like I'd like to see some paintings with... You know that like people are sideways and they got three eyes, <laughs> and then this guy comes and goes. Hi, I'm Pablo Picasso. I like to paint women sideways with three eyes. This is fortuitous. It's what they what they call a gestalt?
0: Yeah. Well, there was. A, I mean, it obviously was this time where where. There was a time for a change within the entertainment yeah, industry, yeah, which maybe yeah. we're at again, but uh, in some ways. But uh, but it was a, it was. A, the, I think like a lot of the young people won't remember the comedy of the 1970s, and even the stuff on TV was was so offensive and yeah. racist but, and sexist and homophobic. Yeah. And so I think there would have to be a kind of reaction to it. well it's good, there was. Yeah, yeah.
1: And people, there was a different audience out there that wasn't being served. You know, you're getting this kind of. Your first generation of people have been to university and were, you know, were left-wing, but also very consumerist. You know, and they were, they were very keen to to, to have their lifestyle kind of celebrated and mocked. I suppose, really. So, you know, it was uh, they weren't be, you know, they weren't going to be served by. you know, well, nobody, nobody will know these names, really, will they? But you know, Colin Crompton of the <laughs> Wheel Tappers and Shunters uh, Social Club wouldn't be doing stuff about, you know mocking people's habitat for you know they would, you know or, or, or the you know the fissiparious nature of left wing uh, political groups you know Les Dawson was never going to be doing shit like that
0: you, know. <laughs> you never know he might he might have come around to learned. it he might have come yes, it. It, yeah. but it was I mean I, I can imagine you were a very intimidating figure because obviously you know, I've seen pictures of you as a, a younger man I mean you're quite a yeah
1: a, well, I, I just yeah I mean it was I mean I'm not in real life you know but that, that, you know, there was some. I never really analysed it, but there was just the comic persona that had emerged. You know, in the couple of years I'd been doing sort of stand-up, was very aggressive, and that was what I was interested in as a performer: was aggression. You know, winding the audience up, yeah. um, and that was just a perfect. You know, I mean, stuff that I'm completely uninterested in now, but that was, uh, you know, that just worked fantastically well. And you know, in a club that started at midnight you know, it was cheap to get in.
0: and Yeah. And know, did it go so all much. night? Cause I saw you was talking about, you would say I would put people on at four, a, four AM if you didn't it's like it. Yeah. Yeah. It <laughs> yeah, finished about four AM. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> did people stay? Was that just, it was just a weekend thing. Or was that only, a week? I think
1: it was only, a, I think it was basically only a Saturday yeah. night in the end. Um, I probably finished about 12 to one It must have finished yeah, he must have finished about 4 sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Incredible.
0: And it was quite dangerous. You talk about you were talking about um Keith Allen who you know I'm a big fan of. Uh throwing throwing darts into the audience. Yeah, was that a regular occurrence or was that a one off?
1: No, Well, he No, he says it, I thought it was at Goldsmiths college. He says it was at the Royal College of Arts, right? But he did um he did uh, the, 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 my favourite one, of, I mean, he was, I mean, he was, I mean, he was, he was you know, I mean, the thing about Keith was, he was, again, he was very, um, he wasn't, the problem with him, he was very, you know, he was again very aggressive, very inventive, never did the same thing twice, but it was, ne- often it wasn't that funny.
0: Was <laughs> a, that was the only, I mean, there's no criticism. <laughs> when you were walking out with a dart in your head, going, well, I, yeah, I enjoyed most was- of his act, but I thought the darts. The dart throwing was too far. but
1: it was an extraordinary... You know, you'd never seen nothing like that before. And again, he he had that sense of... Genuine sense of threat, you know, genuine, um, you know, sense of somebody who was kind of deranged, you know, yeah. who could go one way. Well, you know, when he, I mean, he was... He's physically very... De- I mean, there, there, I mean, again, it's like Arabian Nights. We did a show together at the um, Albany Empire in Deptford. And I, it was like Sherazard, because I had to think of a different... Story every night to stop him getting his cock out (laughs) on stage. Like, I say, Oh, there's a party of nuns in tonight. Fair enough, you know. There's little kids, Oh, my mum's in tonight. And then finally, one night, I just ran out of (laughs) stories and I said, Oh, fuck it, on you go. And he's one of those, he just, I mean, he's one of those people, there was a lot of them, I don't know if they're still who. A lot of performers who like nothing more than getting taking all their clothes off. Yeah. I mean, Keith was one, Terry Jones, uh, Tony Robinson's another Simon yeah. Callow. I think it's a kind of a, <laughs> a subset of, of performers who love uh, getting naked. And uh, you know, finally, I ran out of, of, of reasons to stop him, <laughs> and there he was. <laughs> start bollock naked performing. You know, he
0: really? does do it a lot. I mean, you say he never does the same thing twice, but he does Get his take cock his cock out, out yeah, an yeah, awful with, lot. With this, That's actually. pretty much every story. Yeah, yeah. He yeah, <laughs> yeah. wants to see my cock. Uh, it's, it's where that uh, whole story came from originally. Um, so, uh, and, what, and one of the first things I heard you in, I guess, was this, you're in the Secret Policeman's Other Ball, which is an Amnesty International benefit that yeah. I listened to on a a little cassette tape that, I'd, you know, you could buy cassettes in those days yeah. and listen them like that.
1: Yeah. And that
0: was, you. so you were in amongst, because it was quite, that was, again, quite a lot of the Oxbridge comedians. Yeah, I think yeah. The various, uh, Peter Cook and the yeah. John Fortune and those kind of people and yeah. John Cleese.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, well, it was sort of, I, uh, it was an odd, I mean, it was an odd experience. I mean, I, because I was, I was like massive in London. I mean, the comedy store and then I think it was at the Comic Strip at that point was massive in London, but n- not really. N- well, we didn't. You didn't know whether you were known outside London, really. But and so, well, it was my the ex-manager, my manager who was producing it. But I think also they wanted to have who was obviously at, at the cutting edge of um, comedy, and so they asked me to be in the 1981. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I didn't. Um, I mean, Cle- Cleese didn't like me much. <laughs> His wife, you know, he's, he's, he's married like 17 different um, American blonde psychoanalysts. And um, <laughs> this was like number eight. She hated me. But I can't. I, you know, I, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I mean, I was... I, it's funny because I'm working on volume two in my memoir at the moment now. But I, had, I remember having a big row with... Um, Jasper Carrot about because we both had a gag we both had a gag that finished with the punchline (laughs) Guilford and uh, he said well I want to say Guilford and I said well I want to say Guilford so finally I said "Uh, who's on first he said you're I said well fuck you then (laughs) I said Guilford. <laughs> it fucking killed. <laughs> he changed this to Hatfield. and It right. fucking died on its yeah, own. that's no, <laughs> that's no good. Because we both knew that Guilford was the only, was the only possible. You know, he couldn't do anything, You know, it's just one of them things where you know, it's one of them things where you know that yeah. the only thing you can say is Guilford. <laughs> yeah,
0: Hatfield. It's the it's completely. Yeah, wrong. he it, so he
1: went, Hatfield.
0: <laughs> he was alright about it. He was was really he? Nice bloke, you know? But I bet in his heart as well. If you know in your heart it's not as funny, it doesn't work as well. That's <laughs> interesting. Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. So you yeah. know it's gonna yeah. come up to that. that's that's yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, and also like one of my other guests and myself, although mine is slightly less high profile than yours, you've played Trinculo in the Tempest. I may, I may have talked <laughs> as has Russell Brand. You were in the Jonathan Miller, yeah. was it a stage production or a film? The it was the old Vic. Yeah. It was Max
1: von Sydow was Prospero. Right. And wow. Rudy Davis, who was um, one of Bella Bramish's daughters, was uh, Miranda. And the, all the Islanders were uh, black. So Cyril Henry was Ariel and um, mm-hmm.
0: uh, Rudy Davis was uh, was uh, Caliban. I did it at the Kings of Wessex uh, School Hall. Uh, <laughs> Steve Cheek was Caliban. John John Butler was uh, Stefano. Yeah, no, no one. <laughs> Steve Cheek works as uh, he was, actually was. He was in a, a God and Jesus with. do you Remember when Simon Munnery? I mean, you may might, might not have been around and then in, in Edinburgh. But Simon Munnery and him used to do a double act called God and Jesus, <laughs> uh, which I think they were meant to be God and Jesus. Uh, can you still remember any of the Trinculo speeches? Uh, no, I did have a. I did think for a
1: while that I would only go to. Productions of the Tempest, uh, and then leave after Trinculo had been on. <laughs> uh, no, I can't remember a thing now. I, had put, I put in an extra line which was bastards. Right. <laughs> About so saying, you know, bastards. And Jonathan Miller was very keen on me, you know, doing that. So, yeah.
0: yeah. And what was, it, what was he like to work with Don? I saw him in the street a couple of, It's kind of astonishing to see him still yeah. going in. He was it. very much at the height of his fame, yeah. so.
1: And it was the sort of thing people... Did, so some, sometimes you'd say, you know, coming for years in the afternoon, you'd say, where's Jonathan? They'd say, he's gone to Boston to, like, direct an opera, and he'll be back tomorrow. Right. So he was all right. He didn't, you know, He Again, he didn't. We didn't. We didn't really hit it off, you know. <laughs> Max von Sydow sent me Christmas cards for years afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Just like getting, you know, getting. He's not. He wasn't death. Was it? Was uh, he played uh, chess with death in the uh, right. Ingmar <laughs> Bergman yeah. film? But yeah. So Max von Sidow sent me a Christmas card for years after that production.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, and you, oh, oh, this is interesting. Now you've, I've won a Sony Award, and you won a Sony Award in 1979. But in 1979. They were called the Pi Awards. The Pi Radio Awards. It was awards, a, yeah. the Pedophile Information Exchange Award. Back in, the, back in the 70s, yeah. it was all right. No one. They could sponsor radio awards, but we're going oh, to let the pedophiles have a. Let them have an award, it's all right. It's all what, cool. Did you? It won't be when this goes out. Uh, Did you? Did you? What? Did you? Would they do gold, silver, and bronze then, or was it just you won? I think I just won it. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. For uh, Alexis Sale and the fish fish people. people. Yeah, it was a thing I did for Capital Radio. Um, Again, can't remember much about it really. But um, I won two. um, I won two awards that year, and in both, the chairman of the judging panel in his speech began it by saying, "It's been a very poor year."
0: (laughs) (laughs) see <laughs> that someone on this list did not even go to Oxbridge. That is how... That was the fucking subtext. Yeah, yeah. Fucking, yeah. yeah. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> St. Catherine's College, Oxford. Uh, so, um... <laughs> I'll ask you an emergency question, not that we need it, but we'll, just to change the tone. Uh, would you rather have... A tip that dispensed talcum powder, a or kid. yeah, like a breast, like a, yeah. a, a nipple. Yeah. It'll be a nipple with a breast behind it, full of talcum powder. Uh, that any as much as you wanted, an infinite amount of talcum powder. You could, yeah. you'd never have to buy talcum powder yeah. again. Yeah, uh, even, which is probably true, even if you didn't have the. <laughs> or. A finger that could travel through time, but just your just your finger. But you can you can send it anywhere in time and space, and you'd be able to see where it was, and you could you know do uh, a small amount of stuff with it. No contest. I mean, because
1: I've got I've got a <laughs> tin of talcum compa- A tin of talcum. Compa- <laughs> <laughs> you got a tin or a tit? A tin. Yeah, I have got a tin. But it's metal. It's so old. Yeah. <laughs> it's got like an offer on it for like. Uh, horse whip or something you know I, <laughs> spats it really is I sometimes look at it because I think this is really old this one of the things I really like is finding stuff that's really past its sell by date yeah. Yeah. you're like finding a tin of kind of uh, borlotti beans yeah. like, sa- like, like from Safeways yeah. <laughs> it doesn't exist anymore it gives me a tremendous sense of pleasure that I don't know why <laughs> You know, and then to eat them as well. Right? I mean, me. you know, yeah, not just to, you know, just. I mean, my, but I love, so I love, I love well out of date, yeah. stuff for
0: for itself. But no, obviously a finger. That's what what, what would what would you do? What would you use your finger for in time? Uh, if you well, could I'd go like, anywhere like in time. See, see stuff, you know. Yeah, but you, well, you'd be able to see it with just through the hole. You wouldn't be able to. Just be your finger. Uh, it's going, something though, finger, it <laughs> it's something. for your <laughs> yeah, finger to be there. See, you know, you could do stuff. They make not see how
1: does it make a hole and then you pull it out and then the the kind of
0: gap remains for a bit? Well, no, I think it would... um, That would be ridiculous. I think it would... (laughs) I think it would would close quite quickly. So you could go and you could look through and see. So you wouldn't just be poking around and not know where it's going. You'd be able to see around and then just... Around your finger. Okay, I'm going to poke... Julius Caesar in the bum or something. I'll go. Oh, watch out! Look behind you. You can yeah. shout through, and they might. You might get a little bit of it's a bit sort of tinny. A bit, watch out, Julius! Caesar. Yeah, they're going to stab you. Yeah, might that'd be that. fantastic. Yeah, it'd be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, that'd be brilliant. Yeah, what if?
1: That's not. If, I mean, I think you got to enough to rethink that question. Why? <laughs> It's good, it's good. Well, there's a, some too much of a disparity between. <laughs> that's what I like about it. Yeah.
0: Oh, really. Two people.
1: Well, well, still the one chosen. you asked me in the dressing room, which yeah. was was a, a hand of ham, or what was the other? Yeah. Oh.
0: some sun cream armpit. Yeah,
1: well, they're pretty. So there's a disparity yeah, well, there. But, but sometimes like it's a, interesting can, to see a, a tip, a you know, which is feasible. A tip that dispenses <laughs> talcum powder <compartment, coughs> is a possibility. It is. A, but a finger that, you know, is, is we're stepping well outside the laws of time it's
0: physics. Well, aren't now because we, really? there are wormholes in space, so there could be you could find a wormhole and get and that would you could get your finger through. it. Okay, All right, right try I'm this. Talking to Robin. Instantly. Try this one. <laughs> if you if your penis could travel in time. through a similar wormhole which, who would you have sex with in the past or the future it could be or just it's just like a glory hole it's just like a (laughs) It is. It's a a time travelling glory. It is. Now I think there would have to be some system where you could communicate with the. Because I don't don't want you to. I don't (coughs) want you to do Lexi Sale putting his cock through a wormhole and you know Catherine of Aragon's there and you go, wait, get into that. I think Catherine. (laughs) I I bet Catherine of Aragon would have to go. Yes, I am willing to take the. If it was, I'm not saying she's a slag, Catherine of Aragon, because if anything, quite the opposite. She was very uh, hardly even had sex with her husband, but um, uh, I'm just saying I don't want it to turn into a you know a, into an unpleasant scenario, a sort of boat that rocked scenario. I want it to be I want it to be a consensual. Right. How is it, how is consent obtained? Well, we'd have to do some kind of you'd whisper through. You go, hello, it's me, Alexis say. Ale. Maybe you could put through a yeah. like a. a a rolled up copy of your book or something so he could read that oh yeah I like he's an interesting guy I'd like. i like to have sex with his disembodied penis from the past or future That's, that's how I imagine this would work and then you would put your penis through and you could have sex with it well who would you who would you have sex with in no circumstances it's not exactly the same question as which historical figure would you have sex with because there is this thing where it's just your disembodied penis, and the way you're looking at me is if this is I'm wasting, as if I'm wasting your time. <laughs> like as if you have not been asked this before. You did, well, you did get me to uh, choose to <laughs> have sex with
1: Chris, uh, no, with uh, Keith Allen. Keith didn't Allen,
0: you, in yeah, last, um, in yeah That's so, so. 2013. That yeah. uh, we've moved uh, on now. This is a very different question.
1: Is there there anyone
0: in history you would like to... anybody
1: nice. Yeah, anyone nice. (laughs) Somebody nice would do. Not Hitler.
0: Not Hitler. You could teach him a lesson, couldn't you? You could teach Hitler a lesson. (laughs) He might like it. (laughs) Good, well, we'll get back to... um, you find that, like lots of middle-aged men, approach you quoting stuff from the young ones at you a lot. Revolutionary biscuits, are a bit dirty, Rise up, out of your oxes. You have nothing to lose but your wafers. That kind of that kind of thing does that happen a lot to you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the bit they usually do to you? That bit. Or there It's one bits? of them.
1: Yeah. 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 I was um, not. <laughs> I, I, well that's not it's not you're, you're, i mean i just i was um I was doing a video thing for telegraph uh, and uh, we were up in holland um I was just going to have me photograph taken with the train crew you know just as a courtesy to see to hold trains and the uh, photographer said, "Can you pull one of your funny faces?" <laughs> No, not really. <laughs> uh, sorry, but it's, um, yeah, no, I mean, not that. Yeah, people. Yeah, I mean, but often it's also they're not necessarily. You know, a lot of them are ki- you know kids and yeah. stuff that they're that they you know they're uh, young people that they're um, you know their parents or grandparents have uh, you know turned them on to the young ones. Yeah. So it's, it's you know, there's not necessarily a, an age thing no, to it. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, when I was do- you know when I did stand up. Um, uh, last year, you know, most, the majority of the audience, which was very gratifying, the majority of the audience were under 35, you know, I was I know what the fuck they were doing there, I don't know. <laughs> I thought maybe I was on like the GCSE syllabus or something, you know? <laughs> um, uh, so, no, that was very gratifying really, because, I mean, the thing that, I, I wouldn't do it if I thought that I just appealed to uh, you know, my own kind of demographic really, you know, so Yeah. You know,
0: but you're saying, I think, that with the, the Young Ones kind of broke you through into sort of mainstream in a way that if maybe that hadn't happened. I mean, because it was just, it was always a weird thing because you were, basically did your own bit and the Young Ones mainly, didn't you? you yeah. Mainly kind of yeah. cut to you and yeah. you did a, a routine, basically.
1: Yeah, but I think it was... I mean, it's hard to know, really, but I think that, the, yeah, I'd done some telly beforehand. I mean, mainly this late-night thing called OTT, which had been a bit of a controversial kind of... Uh, I think I felt that I needed to be in something with people, you know, with like-minded people yeah. that, that appealed to the, you know, the, the, the youth audience, you know, to our audience. But also that got a kind of... You know, that was highly regarded critically. Which Young Ones wasn't a first, but gradually it was, you know. Obviously, the, the Young Ones was also, you know, was a highly... Yeah, it was an extraordinarily intelligent piece of, uh, of writing, you know, so a, a wonderful, I mean, regardless whether I'm in it or not, it's, a, you know, a, a, you know, a, a fantastic uh, piece of work, I think. You know. I think, but
0: also, it goes back to there being nothing like that before, so as a, as a whatever I was, 14 or 15 year old school kid, seeing, seeing this stuff coming in, and you would wait... Yeah. years for something to come on for you on TV. It would be like three years since Not 9 o'clock news, or whatever, four years, yeah. and there'd be no other programme for young people, and then this would come on. Yeah. And so it was mind-blowing for I think it our, must for have our been, generation. Yeah. I mean, I think for... I think, yeah, if you were, like, yeah, if you were, if you, were you,
1: which I was. you were... You were just, which you did a great job <laughs> I did, of. I, I mean, gonna... you did a wonderful... <laughs> I imagine you were fantastic at that. But... um <laughs> I imagine, yeah, it must have been the most thrilling thing to see the young guns because it was good, you know. I think it still stands up. It's not, you know, it's it was uh, just a, it's just so dense, so full of brilliant shit. I think, yeah, that, um, yeah, you know. I mean, it's. Uh, I think it must have been marvellous to to see, and you know, and reflected the spirit of the age and stuff, you know. And also, you know, that thing. I mean, it was like the you know the BBC. That some of them. You know, some of them episodes went on for like thirty-five minutes. You know, and there would be like, you know, the invasion of the Ukraine or something. They just pushed the news back because you know the young ones was running. You know, just ah, whatever you can make it about days. Day, day, <laughs> you know, like everything now has to be twenty-nine point seven. You know, seconds.
0: 20, you know. It was it was good. It was a happy time. Was the the world yeah. was a better place back yeah. in the nine yeah. eighties? Uh, apart from you know the Inter information exchange. Apart from that, it was much better. And what well, we talked about OTT because that was an interesting one as well. Because I think the other comedy show that really probably first blew my mind was Tis Was, which was an OTT was the sort yeah. of adult version of that. But yeah. it was it was. Slightly misjudged, probably, in the, the the kind of beauty of Tiz was was that it was an adult show, but kid, but it was a kid yeah, show as well. Well, it was it was it was it was yeah,
1: it was adults just being horrible to kids, really. You know, in the guise of yeah. a, a, a kid show, so you were in on the joke. But yeah, the viewer, the, the adult viewer was in on the joke. Whereas with OTT, that there was no joke to be in on, no. as it were. And it was also it was very it was very you know. This, I remember, like, the show used to go out on the Saturday and they'd start sort of thinking about sketches for that week's show on the Friday. <laughs> <laughs> so it was very, uh, it was very laid back. And I, were, I you know, it, it was there, I mean, Chris Tarrant's taste and, um, all the other people bought Carol G's and spit the dog. They, they were, um, well, spit the dog liked me, but Carol G didn't. <laughs> <it better. laughs> uh, that they, you know, I, you know, they soon developed a rift. You know, I, I yes. refused. I was supposed to be one of the players, I was supposed to be in the sketches, but they were so bad, I just said, I'm not fucking being in any of these sketches. Yeah. So that was a, a point of tension, you know, and so I just come on, do my bit. And also, it was very, it was live, and, you know, I didn't think, I mean, but I, I personally was critic, That year's IT, the report of the, commission that oversaw ITV yeah. Yeah, the, the kind of sup, the supervisory body the ICC or whatever it was specifically mentioned me right. and some of the stuff I'd said as being a kind of low point in television that right. year a kind of regulatory nightmare Yeah, and uh, you know I, I, I think I did probably cause a lot, I mean I caused uh,
0: Chris a lot of grief just with some of the stuff I improvised right. yeah. Um it wasn't, it doesn't didn't seem like a natural marriage between. No, I mean,
1: I know. shouldn't have done it really. And yeah. That's one of the things where you don't know. Well, I was so desperate to be on the telly that I, I kind of, um, you know, kind of accepted it, but suspecting that it really wasn't the right thing for me to be in. And now, I mean, that's one of the things, I mean, younger comics, I mean, you know, they judge things better, don't they? They say, no, I'll wait until...
0: Yeah, well, sometimes. I mean, I think, you know, I think there's an element where I think people should just have a crack and do stuff. I think you can get, you can be, you can be too choosy as well, and you can be too like, oh, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that, that's what about yeah. being... Co- I don't think comedians should really have to be cool, really, because they're, they're not, they I,
1: I suppose I just felt that I depended on a kind of... Um, a critic, you know, a, a certain kind of um, status, you know, and, yeah. and not, you know, and, and if I did something that was too demeaning, then that would,
0: yeah, uh, no. that would
1: destroy, you know, because yeah, you know, when it wasn't quite, you know, it was, I wasn't there yet, you know, I wasn't quite a star, and so I worried terribly that I would do something that, um, you know, that would destroy uh, my status, and I'd never.
0: Yeah, and, uh, you know. well, yeah. It was. I mean, I think you're right. it wasn't. The, I mean, you you, you left it, and you So think that was the right choice. Yeah. All I remember is because I, I was fourteen or thirteen, whatever the time, was naked girls sort of getting up on tables and jumping around. Yeah, it was a lot of, no. well, they the, the um, so I was again, distracted away hit. from your bits by yeah. that. <laughs>
1: well, the big hit on the opening night was Malcolm Hardy in the Great Show, and like, oh, right, they yeah. did the balloon dance. You know, um, and again, you, saw, you know, naked. You know, you saw their cocks. <laughs> That was a bit my mother said was best. It's the bit she liked the best. Malcolm Hardy's cock. Yeah, a familiar sight again. <laughs> it is. He's another one to add to that list, wasn't he, really? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so see, the- isn't it weird how alcoholics choose to live on houseboats? <laughs> you know, there's a lot of alcoholics If you're an alcoholic, you think, I'm a heavy drinker. To get home, I'm going to cross a rickety bridge... <laughs> Over mud flats that will suck me under until I, you know, until I, you know, no matter how much I struggle, I will yeah. drown. You know, that's that's the fucking gaff for me, isn't it? That's that's where I'm gonna live, and that's what Malcolm did. Yeah, that? He drowned. He know? did.
0: Well, you sort of wonder whether that was part of the plan because I don't think I don't think he would be. I don't think he would have enjoyed being old, you know.
1: Now, when I read the autopsy report, or it was on Wikipedia, I think, but they said the police report said he was found with a bottle of beer clutched in his hand, yeah. face down in the mud like that with a bottle, you know.
0: The beer was more important. Yeah, I'm not, yeah he probably, probably could have
1: <laughs> Yeah, he probably could have got free, but he wouldn't let go of the beer. Got to keep, his, yeah.
0: keep his thumb in the top to make <laughs> so, no sure water. In the...
1: <laughs> somebody said as well, I don't know if it's apocryphal, that he'd won really big on the one arm bandit that night. Right. So his, his pockets were full of chains. <laughs>
0: we're laughing uh, affectionately <laughs> at the death of a man uh, so <laughs> but yeah, with, it's all part of the legend it does become yeah, part of the legend he yeah, was yeah. a legendary guy um, and let, tell me about I'm interested in your last gig in 1996 you were in Perth yeah and you decided to give up doing stand-up comedy in Perth which is <laughs> un, and this is the Australian Perth yeah yeah uh, which I'm, is possibly understandable, but do you remember much about that day? No, I, I mean I, I'd found that. I mean I'd been very unhappy
1: with the tour, really. That I I toured in '95 in in Britain, and that tour sort of gone all right, really. But the tour of Australia in '96, it, it hadn't I'd done a tour in maybe '90 90 or '92 in Australia, where it was that the only time that ever happened to me where. All the gigs sold out right away, and we put in extra nights, like I did five nights at the State in Sydney and three nights at the Concert Hall in Melbourne and, like, five nights in Perth and stuff. And when I went back in '96 for whatever reason, that wasn't the case, really. That that we did all the gigs that we were booked, and they were all sold out, but there was no extra... You know, it was no... For whatever reason, there, there wasn't a buzz there. So that was dispiriting. And also i just reached the end of, of what I could do with that persona, really, and I didn't know how to... To, to move on from it so I was just very, you know I was just unhappy you know I mean the shows were funny and stuff but I was just very un- unhappy with what I was doing really yeah. so you
0: know yeah. well I think it happens a lot I mean I guess it's the hotel rooms of being around the world I mean Hancock yeah we go back to another uh, hilarious comedy death but uh, <laughs> but you know I think you can understand it especially if you're you know if you're a, a thinker and a, a depressive when you get stuck in yeah. those hotels in, a, in the other side of the world as well. Yeah, and If the gigs not, aren't going yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. It is quite <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't... <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: it wasn't that. I mean, there was a bit of that, but I mean, it wasn't... Yeah. Um, it was also, I think I felt... Yeah, because the stand-up I did last year, I just loved it so much because it had a kind of... Uh, because I was just... Be, it was anecdotal and I was being me and, and it was complex, you know. I, I, I felt happy with the material where there was always an element towards the end of what I was doing before in the tight suit and all that it was kind of grotesque you know there was a kind of um i was doing bits sort of to get laughs really you know yeah. a, a bit i mean not i mean it's an, it to, it's
0: an awful thing for a comedian to do to, to get <laughs> do not well, go well still for in, a, in a
1: still in a way that you know still while doing you know material about Bertolt Brecht and stuff like that so it wasn't like I was really pandering to the audience but I just felt that there wasn't a kind of I was just it, 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 itching to really do material that was much more complicated really and I, I knew I couldn't do that I thought I couldn't do that by a stand-up comedy.
0: Right and that's kind of interesting I, mean, I think it's also interesting to have um, you know you obviously didn't do stand-up for a long time and now you've come back to it but I think you know in a sense having that Fallow time, and it sort of Stuart had it to an extent where he sort of gave up doing stand up for two or three years, and then and then came back to it. And in a way, to have not necessarily a failure, but I think you're looking at the people you worked with, and they've gone on to do you know different things and become sort of successful uh, in their own right. And then it's kind of dispiriting, but actually to become good as a artist as a comedic artist you sort of need the failure or to regroup a little bit perhaps Uh, definitely yeah no I mean I don't um well you
1: know I was I became an author really after a few years of sort of thrashing about my first um you know selection show stories came out in about I think 99 and you know I was I was entranced with you know being an author for a good 12 years and so very slowly that I went back to stand-up but um yeah, no, in, you, you, I mean, I don't know, some people can keep doing it and evolve, you know, but through doing book readings, I'd found a whole new way to do stand-up, and it was, um, you, you know, it was just something that I um, I was just terribly happy with, you know, when I went back to it, really, but yeah, you, I don't know, I mean, you don't, I mean, it's, it, it doesn't do any
0: any harm to have that yeah, that, that kind of those dips in your career, and really. also I think if you don't experience failure though, and if everything, well, it's sort of you turn into. Uh, I think for for, for me, what well, that's what's happened to Ben Elton. He hasn't experienced failure. He's been able to do everything he ever want to do. Yeah, and then you just don't move. You don't grow as an as an artist, and then you suddenly yeah. do something. That people go, oh no, that's that's just terrible. So you yeah, know, you certainly experiencing it now. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> which I'm sure you're not that delighted about. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no but I think that is you know you get to the point where but everyone's saying just, yes yeah, to you, yes yeah. yes yes and do this do this do this and 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 actually you've got to be knock back and go, oh, so actually I have to I can't just put the first draft of this sitcom in and put that out, I have to go back and write a second draft, wow uh, so, you know, it, it's, I think the, to be knocked back probably helps you uh, uh, well I mean, I, I think, think to, you're making a virtue of that aren't you, your no, yeah, well, own yeah, stuttering yeah. career yeah, 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 you're, it's trying, you're trying to, you're trying to have, say, yeah
1: it's better to be like I, this I haven't, had be, be, I
0: haven't gone up again though, I've just kind of gone yeah, down you, and, you, well i you're bumping along the bottom yeah, yeah, yeah I'm
1: hoping, I'm hoping yeah, yeah. Um, it, I don't know it's it, i wouldn't I, I don't know if i mean it's a, i mean it's an interesting analysis of what went wrong with Ben and that's, that's probably true yeah i mean I, I mean for me you know a lot of the stuff I did was you know that I tried to do was so odd or so stupid that yeah it was never going to succeed really or you know um uh, so I, I was always going to experience a lot of failure. You know, i mean, say that, that, I only ever had that one tour where yeah, every, in Australia where everything sold out. I never had that. Even when at the height of my height in in uh, in Britain, you know, there was always like we were talking backstage. You know, there was always a couple of gigs that yeah. didn't sell out. You know, you would have to go on the fucking radio. To, you know, you'd have to go you know go up to fucking Bournemouth a day <laughs> early to do local radio to try and sell the seats, you know, and I, which is something I hated. So I never really, had, I don't really think I had that experience of kind of unfettered um, success ever, more
0: no. or less, really. You know. But then I think you're also quite hard on yourself. I mean, I think... You know, it's it's both wanting to be, a, you know, do the best you can be as a comedian and be an amazing comedian, but also there is all part of every comedian I think that still wants to be loved and, and successful. And yeah. so there's there's an odd kind of dichotomy there that you're you're almost fighting internally between yeah, yourself. And yeah, it feels yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: I did yeah. Well, I was I did
1: I did make it. I mean, it was very uncompromising my show. I would. you know, if I felt things were getting too cozy, I would sort of turn on the audience and so on and um, so it wasn't, you know it <laughs> wasn't easy
0: <laughs> but you are also doing like, you know, you were major move, in major movies and acting and mm, yeah. Indiana Jones you in Gorky yeah. Park yeah, yeah, that was my first one yeah, but I was never in one
1: that like really, you know, I mean, I, I mean apart from the Indiana Jones, I was never really yeah, Indiana in Jones did alright, that was okay that was okay, <laughs> but I was only like a tiny part in that, I never yeah. really had that as an actor, I never really quite you know, got that great role already. You know, no. to win.
0: but there's a lot. I just feel with acting, there's so much luck in it, in a in getting cast, but b in the thing becoming successful. And then if the thing is successful, you are sort of made, and people will employ yeah. you forever on the basis of of something that someone else wrote anyway. It's an odd. It's an odd job. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I just. Well, it might
1: have been nice if I'd you know if I'd had that. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, there's still time. Been, yeah, yeah. Who knows? Yeah, my, Carry yeah.
0: On Columbus was close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: My episode of New Tricks that I did in 2012, that might win a kind
0: of uh, uh, special
1: BAFTA for something.
0: So apparently uh, you see certain... I mean, you, you did a recent interview where you talked to, uh, quite uh, candidly about the comedians you like and the comedians you don't like. Yeah. But luckily, I, I just nipped into what you call your comedy children. Yeah. Uh, that you, I had to do a bit of... Um, Bit of uh, apologetic emailing. After that, you know? <laughs> yeah.
1: I sometimes think we like doing those like that. That was at the Leicester Comedy Festival. Yeah. You sometimes think you forget these days that you know it's not just the people in the room who no, are watching. You know, it's everything goes everywhere. You know, so uh...
0: yeah. feel free to slag anyone else off that you like. <laughs> uh, can if you are my comedy dad though, can you send me some money on my birthday? No, I'll send in you an car. educational
1: present. <laughs> <laughs> it's good for you that would be good that's the other thing about you sometimes forget when you're doing stuff like this or like that talk at the Leicester Comedy Festival is that people expect you, expect you to kind of listen to yourself <laughs> and to sort of believe what you say yeah which is never particularly in terms of having opinions I've always just you know just sort of said stuff really with um
0: Without, have I never, never snagged you off, you and Stuart? I don't, no, I don't, you might have done. I don't think you have, actually. I think we, we didn't really make enough of an impact no, to be snagged off. No. <laughs> and then by the time you yeah. heard of us, we were doing, you know, quite good stuff. So Yeah, yeah, if you'd been more successful in yeah. your early days, <laughs> I, would, <laughs> I would
1: have said something <laughs> shitty about you. <laughs> it's, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I quite like it. When, I mean, I don't mind, you know, I quite like people who've been horrible about me. Yeah. I rather like that, um... You know, I, I, I sort of respect them for that. I way. think
0: to get any reaction is a good thing. I mean, I, I, you can understand if you if if a respected comedy figure blames you for the entire downfall <laughs> of comedy. But well, I do. When I, I was being interviewed for a podcast yesterday, and because it's like this, they go on so long, you just sort of start saying something, and then you go, but on the other hand, I totally disagree with yeah, what I've just said. Sometimes it's
1: something you, you sort of believed like in 1997. <laughs> yeah but you've, you don't believe it anymore, but you've forgotten that you don't believe it anymore. <laughs> sort of, you know? So you just find yourself saying it.
0: Yeah. Okay, I'll go for an emergency question. I don't know if I asked you this one before. If I did, we'll just gloss over it. Alexi said, oh, this is terrible that I have to ask this question. I don't have to, but I'm going to. You are one of my comedy heroes. Have you ever tried to suck your own cock? No. Well, you must have done No. Yeah.
1: I, I'm not that you know I know I'm not that limber that I, <laughs> Even is you, it possible is this, this it footage is, well, of
0: Michael flatley doing it isn't it Michael apparently. flatley supposedly. allegedly, allegedly We're yeah. ne- you're gonna have to email Michael flatley uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I said you could say I think there is a picture of him somewhere uh doing if, I, you, if you i, I knew looking. it was never. Possible, right? I think it is, it, is possible. it is possible. In fact, it's possible. I may have mentioned this before in this podcast. I have apologies uh, if I do, but this—I did a whole a book about penises and a show about penises. And in my research, I discovered it's possible for certain people to get a semi-erection that they can stretch round right. and have anal sex with themselves. Really? <laughs> it's a beautiful act of love, self-love. Uh, there was a, there was a story about a man in a Russian. Yeah, prison, you know, like a, like a, like been, and then he was obviously a bit crazy. Yeah, and he sat all day. Well, I mean, if you could, you, maybe you would. <laughs> David, do you think? No, David doesn't seem to think so. Uh, you know, you would be something to pass the time. If you something were in, to do, if yeah. you were in a yeah. Russian prisoner of war camp yeah. or gulag or whatever, then you, yeah. you know, it would pass the time, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. So true. it is possible to do. It is possible, but I, have you know, when you're when you're a younger man doing, you know, you are were a limber younger man. <laughs> I'm not no. going to ask you to try it now. Okay, I'll ask you another emergency question because I need one after that emergency question. <laughs> um, have you ever seen a ghost? I've ever seen a ghost. Yeah. Uh,
1: no, I don't really believe in them. So I mean, no. uh, doesn't mean you have you don't have to believe in it to see it. Can uh, still yeah. give it. The... Well, I don't know. Then do it. Really? <laughs> I don't. I've never seen nothing that seemed like a ghost. Yeah. I've never had any kind of. Paranormal experiences whatsoever? Mm. No,
0: nothing. Have you ever seen a Bigfoot? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you know, it was we were taking a chance with that. Uh, so um, I'll tell you what I was going to ask. What's the um, what is? These I've got a couple of um, uh, stand-up based uh, questions. Yeah. What is your worst? Have you got a worst hotel traveling experience? and touring in a hotel, bed and breakfast, or wherever you stayed. Was travelling
1: like? I um, not that well I was just I was thinking about this the other day that I used to because I, tra- I had like a little at one point I had a little band called Studio 2 who'd do, do the support and do my music and um, I used to stay in the hotel Swank de Porsche, and I used to uh, put them where the all the dolies went you know <laughs> they used to stay in like the B&B where all the yeah all the claimants went right. So they had some pretty terrible experiences. <laughs> Plus you were in your big <laughs> yeah, well, <glacial> I, was, <laughs> I was eating consomme.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> we stayed in some pretty terrible... Me and Stu once stayed in a bed and breakfast where we had to share a room and we had twin beds with pink covers on yeah. and a little canopy going between the two. Oh. It was very sweet. I wish we'd taken a photo of that. And recently I stayed in a, in a travel lodge uh, where I went into to my room and there was some, someone else's bogey on the shower curtain. <laughs> Oh yeah, I um. That's pretty nasty. When
1: I I, um, early days I played um Dublin with Alternative Cabaret and Linda Linda had had, um uh, got an Irish. She paid fifty p to find out an Irish. Tourist Board Recommended Hotel, right. which was this place called the Adelphi. And, and, and remember the bloke showing us up the stairs and there was no bulb. There was a broken fish tank in the lobby and the, <laughs> there was no bulb on the stairs. And we just showed into this horrible room. And I noticed there was writing kind of carved into the wardrobe and it said... <laughs> it's it's obviously the the chalk outline of a body on the floor Um, it said said on the wardrobe it said if you think the room's bad wait until you have the breakfast
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh dear once I was in Swansea, I've said, I've said, definitely said this before. The toilet was in the same room as the as the bed. It was, it was like you know, there was obviously like a, there used to be a cupboard. Oh right, yeah. But it wasn't big enough to fit a toilet inside, so, and there was no door in it. Yeah. So the toilet was just in a very slight alcove. Yeah. Just so you were here, and just I didn't stay in that. I've no. I got a lift home. Yeah. I went back to London. Oh dear, happy days. Uh, and the thing I enjoyed you saying in your recent interview was uh, that uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is a wonderful actor, but if my cat had had the facilities he had, had at Eton, my cat could be in Sherlock. Yeah. It <laughs> yeah. was pointed out he went to Harrow, but I mean, <laughs> it's still. A, it's all Subsequently. But yeah,
1: no, it, I mean, it is, you know, it's a. Uh, yeah, because I was reading, you know, some um, interview with Ray Finds, you know, somebody was saying to him about. Uh, you, you know, all the posh actors. He's going, oh, you know, classes, the curse of Britain, you know. You, if you're a good actor, you're going to work. I mean, fuck off. I mean, it's not... You know, at Eton, they have their own studio theatre. They have a seamstress. They have a you know, permanent director. And so, they, you know, they have ball... I mean, but, I mean, they are all fine actors. Tom Hiddleston, you know, uh, Damien West, uh, Dominic West, Damien Lewis, you know. All those people, they are very, very good actors. But they are they are taking somebody out you yeah, know they are they would they would have done something else you know years ago they wouldn't yeah. have gone into acting they would have gone into the city or whatever they are taking the. they are taking the roles of of, of of working class,
0: well, and also actors. they can afford because I think it's harder, harder, ever, ever harder to get into these both comedy and acting now because there's a yeah. lot of stuff to get through. So if you don't have, uh, you know, they've got an income that they can survive on. Yeah, and just go, yeah. well, I'll go and live with my mum and dad while I'm doing. Yeah. this but you yeah. know, if you can't, when I moved to London, we could hire a, you know, rent out a house and pay fifty quid a week and just about survive on that. Yeah, but now you'd have to live outside of london right. basically on, on what we were earning back then and yeah and and so you don't get you don't you know if you're rich you can yeah, yeah and it's and just you know school. it's
1: just terribly unfair i mean I, you know, I mean if you've got all those advantages then you know you are going to use them and that, but don't pretend it's not you know it's not an injustice because it is you know and it also i think it does you know it it skews the narrative you have if the people from a very narrow socio economic Band are telling our stories back to us, then it, it kind of there's a whole the, the the majority of experience and most people is is excluded from that really you know yeah. in terms of you know uh, it's just it's just right, I mean it's just it's just unjust you know
0: yeah well and what I love about Comedy and stand-up comedy, if it works, is that it doesn't matter what background you've come from. You've got to be able to make people laugh. And and I love that when you're in a a room full of guys and you go, oh, you did this, you did this, you did this. But it is increasingly becoming, and you were at this university and you were at this university, which I suppose is partly because more people go to university, but it's also, it seems a shame that there isn't... That variety, but what? What? How do we address that? I don't know. It's difficult because you know that
1: you know. I say that you know people. I think people's parents now, you know, they think you know it's an okay job to be a comedian now. And you see, you're getting your Jack Whitehalls and your Miranda Arts and stuff like that, <laughs> and you're getting all these posh actors because it's okay. It's what they want to do now, and they they push aside you know people with less air uh, resources. And I don't know. It's not you know you can't have quotas or. Um, I don't know what you can do about it really apart from go on you know there's that is that you know is that scene in I always love that scene in the Sopranos where Carmela goes to see this old kind of old fashioned Jewish um psychiatrist and she tells him right away what her husband does Tony Soprano does and he says well you must leave him and she says well well you know makes excuses and he says no he gives her, her money back and he says you yeah, know just you know stay with him if you want but don't pretend you weren't told you know don't pretend you didn't know and it's the same with all you can do is say this stuff is unfair you know the <laughs> the kind of class you know the, the nature of how all the actors now are, yeah. are, are, are up into Eaton O'Hara. you know and more than that I don't know what you do about it really yeah, I can't suggest policy. You know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you know the Conservatives are sort of shutting down drama in schools. So I think they're, they're yeah, so, talking about yeah, getting rid of the yeah. drama o level, and so maybe I don't know. Maybe
1: you know, we're going to go into engineering or something, something. <laughs> More sensible, you know. Yeah, fine in a a way.
0: yeah, and most British drama is just really posh people in old houses, so maybe it's good yeah, yeah. yeah maybe it's good yeah, that the posh just yeah. get to play themselves. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, well that's depressing. Uh, so, um, we'll we'll wrap it up. So you were, you've been in Doctor Who, yeah? Which when, in we, Revelation
1: uh, of the Daleks, nineteen eighty-seven. I was the which uh, Doctor, uh, the best Doctor, I think, <laughs> uh, Colin Baker. Colin Baker. Um, <laughs> Really, the definitive Peter Cavaldi is a very, is very, very good friend of mine, and I, I was telling him that you know the, the, the Colin Baker is definitely the the, um, the best doctor really. Uh, for a long time, I was um, uh, I was the last person killed by a Dalek,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but he said I think some of the same people are still playing the Daleks now really? as where when I did it in 1987, because yeah. they're all sort of ex dancers. For right. some reason the BBC thought when they had these kinds of, just they just move them around with their feet, you know. We need dancers to do this. They were, they were young when they hired them in the you know, when they for the dialek yeah. the They were like twenty year old boys from the chorus and now they're in their seventies or whatever, but they're still kind of
0: they're the same guys. <laughs> Uh, so uh, yeah, I, I did. My, I did an audio Doctor Who. ventured Colin Baker was the Doctor, I, oh, right? Okay. But then I insulted him because I made I made a joke about in one of my newspaper columns about him. Mean, he take he takes things very very seriously. Yeah, I talked about. It. I, I mean, I made some joke about him being not the best Doctor Who. And you had to do a, it. was did, very light Did though. you have to apologise to do, him, I, d- I tweeted him and said, Look, I'm a massive, oh, no, I know, yeah. I work with you. And actually, we uh, we were a big fan. And we put him in uh, Time Gentlemen, Please, the thing I wrote, the sitcom I wrote. And he came in and cut. And I was saying, Look, we you know, we are, I was only joking, it's a big fan. No, that's another person I have to cut off and never really? speak to again. Yeah, So. You can't bear grudges, can you, Alexi? I don't, no, no I don't. Oh, well, can't. I can't, I don't think I do. <laughs> Well look, it's been an absolutely fantastic yeah, thing to do this and meet you again. Thank you for coming when you haven't been when you're a little bit ill. Ladies and gentlemen, Alexis Sale! Sale. Like Unbelievable. You have been listening to Richard Herring's let Square Theatre podcast with me, Richard Herring, and my guest Alexi Sale. What the fuck? Uh, the music you're listening to was recorded by Pest. They are a good band. Thanks to Orange Mark at the British Comedy Guide and everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre and Chris Evans. Not that one, or the one from the Avengers, or that bloke from your school. No, the one from Wales. It was produced by Ben Walker. It's a fuzz, go faster, stripe, and Sky Potato Production. Thanks for listening to Richard Shannon's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. That was me doing it. It was good, wasn't it? I don't know yet because I've recorded this before we did it. It might have been terrible. I probably wasn't, though. Uh, I, in fact, I think it's definitely the best one we've ever done. Uh, if you would uh, like to contribute, do go to gofasterstripe.com. Uh, where you can buy series passes of this and all the other video series we've done. You can just make a contribution. You can make a monthly contribution. You can download Richard Herring's Meaning of Life. Why not give that a go? That's uh, a longer version. It's, it's uh, is available from Go Faster Stripe. It's free online, uh, but then you can get an extra 45 minutes if you're willing to pay. Or come and see me on tour, richardherring.com. We're all going to die as my current tour. Depends when you're listening to this, though, you know, for a couple of years in the future. Uh, hello, what's it like? Oh, have you got hoverboards yet? I might be dead. Oh, my new tour is amazing. Uh, so, and I'm in at the Edinburgh Fringe doing uh, two shows. One of them's called Lord of the Dancetti, one of them's called I Killed Rasputin. So, uh, check those out if you're at the Edinburgh Fringe 2014. Thanks for listening. Bye.